This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. So it worked really well. That was kind of my my launching point. And that was really the thing that transitioned me into, you know, doing more studio portraiture than anything else. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Arnica Ray with Arnica Spring Photography, and she has so much useful information to share with you. So Arnica built her photography business around both boudoir portraits and regular portraits, and she takes us through how she went from being a not-so-great photographer to a really successful one. Some of the marketing strategies that work for her are really things you could implement into your business today. She lives in Bozeman, Montana, and has made a really great name for herself there. And I love that she doesn't hold back on sharing the things she has done to create a super strong business from the ground up. Thank you again so much for listening, and please enjoy this episode with Arnica Ray. I just cannot wait to talk to you and just hear all about your story, where you've come from, where you're at now, what life was like before photography, and just to hear all about your business. So thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay, so before we get into where your business is at now and how things are going for you. I love to give a picture of where you started because I think a lot of people who are listening are kind of in that boat where they're just getting started or maybe mm-hmm. their business is at a standstill and they don't even know where to go from here. So so give us a picture of before you found photography, what life was like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the thing that's kind of a little bit different from my standpoint in terms of my story than a lot of the people that are um, in the photography world today is that I've been shooting for a really long time. So I'm now 39 years old and I started my business when I was 26. So, you know, I'm roughly like 14 years into my business. And um, before I started shooting, so I did actually have get my associate's degree in photography from this. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I had a photography sort of foundation, um, but it was literally like, I feel like I'm not doing anything today that I was doing in school. It was, I think a lot of people will tell you like, yeah, you actually learned how to be a photographer once you got out of school. And Interesting. Yeah. I've heard that before. So is it that they just don't cover the business aspect? Like just are you learning more of the technical? I think like what so. what happens in photography school? <laughs> I think so. You know, also the other thing, like I said, I'm 39 now. I was 20 when I was in school. And especially in the photography world, so much has changed just in terms right. of like I learned how to shoot on film. That was my foundation. And luckily I was kind of got the tail end of it. Um, when we did start that transition into digital. But in photography school, it's very much, you know, you're a student, you're young, like you don't really know what your life is going to look like. You don't really know what you're doing. So you're focused, you know, you just got out of the house. You're focused on whatever you're focused on, boys and the whole thing, you know. So (laughs) (laughs) you're kind of pulled in a lot of different directions. So the, I think the biggest thing for me was definitely learning the business side of things. In addition to 
when I was in school, I just didn't know that it was really what I wanted to do. And to be honest with you, I was a horrible photographer. (laughs) I was not a good photographer. I was not the student that was like getting A's on my images and really into it and stuff. I was kind of there because I thought it was a good idea at the time. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. It seemed like an interesting subject that I might want to go into. But in terms of my the effort that I put into it and my creative and artistic ability, it was really bad, Nikki. <laughs> I go back and I, I think, think about that's so, Yeah. It's so refreshing to hear that. You know, we all start somewhere. Like we the do. photos that we I do. look at, like from when I first started, I look back and I'm like, oh dear God. <laughs> Seriously, right? But you know, it's, I think we all have to start somewhere. And I love that you admit that. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, mm-hmm. I sucked. But you're so amazing now. So oh, obviously- you. You know, you. you've come a long way and absolutely 100% shows. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here you are. You're a crappy photographer so, <laughs> in school. Here I am, a bad <laughs> photographer. <laughs> um, well, okay, so quick overview was that I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was going to the school, I was going to school at the University of Wyoming. I'm from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's actually a little town north of Jackson Hole, just at the south entrance to Yellowstone. So I grew up you know, very small environment in the West. So I was going to University of Wyoming, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was literally taking like 14 pottery classes (laughs) at a time. And I woke up one day and just was thought, I think I want to be a photographer. Maybe I'll try that out. And I had no friends that were photographers. I had no classes of photography, nothing like that. It was literally like a God thing. Like I sat up and was like, I think I want to be a photographer. So I drove two hours down to Fort Collins and bought a camera, film camera, and just started taking photos, you know, just on black and white film and having them developed at wherever I could get them processed at that point. And I, there was one photography class at the University of Wyoming, which was booked for like six semesters out. So you couldn't even get into it. So I started looking for a photography school, ended up finding a really little school that I could afford to go to. Because of course, me being like, oh, at that time, I wanted to go to Brooks Institute of Photography in California, (laughs) you know, and at the time, it was like $35,000 to go to. And of course, I didn't have that. So I Um, found this little two-year school in a tiny little town in Powell, Wyoming. And it actually turns out that they have a great school. So I ended up going there for what should have taken me, you know, essentially four semesters. Took me more like six six years because I kind of went in and out. I went to Alaska for a little while. I got married in the middle of that. You know, there was a lot of things going on. So that was still all in the time of me also being a bad photographer. So I (laughs) did that. And after I graduated, I did not pick up my camera for several years. It was something I was married. Like I said, I went and my husband at the time and I, we were doing a lot of work with at-risk youth. So we ran a boys ranch. Um, We were house parents. We did all of these other things because that was sort of his field of focus. So because I wasn't that sold on photography, I enjoyed it. But, you know, I never had in my mind that I would be in 15 years later running a very successful photography business. So I was focused on that. Like I said, I didn't pick up my camera for years. My husband ended up getting sick and he had schizophrenia. Long story short, he ended up passing away eventually. But After that happened, yeah, that's a whole nother story for another day. So, (laughs) but after that happened, I kind of said, okay, what am I going to do? I'm one of those people that is sort of the definition of an artist in that, like any sort of art thing I get involved in. So I also had a clothing line at one point before I started my photography business. And so I was doing that. I was working at a clothing store and a friend of mine, a family friend, they owned a dude ranch in Jackson Hole. She, they, they had a photographer that would come to the ranch every week and photograph the guests. I guess their photographer was sick and she called me and said, Hey, you know, we need somebody. Can you come and fill in for the week? And I said, sure. I don't think I even owned a camera at that point. Um, (laughs) so that was literally how out of it I was. Like I was not in the photography world at that point. So I said, sure, why not? I think I borrowed a camera. I went to the ranch, did the photos for her, and it sort of reminded me 
oh yeah, I, this is a fun thing. And I, and I love it. And I made more money at that during that week than I had made in like a month at the clothing store that I was working at. So it was kind of this turning point in me that not only did I see the potential for, you know, financial gain in the photography world, but also it was doing something that I remembered that I loved doing. So, you know, and so that was kind of a defining moment for me. And I asked her if I could take over the ranch photographer position for the following summer. And she said yes. So that was really kind of the starting point of getting me back into running my own photography business. So I say I've been a photographer for a long time. I have not always been doing exactly what I've been, what I'm doing now, like with a studio and with portraits and all of that. So that following year I took on the ranch and then I took on another ranch and then I took on another ranch. So I was every week going to these ranches, photographing the guests, you know, on their horses in front of the Tetons, you know, around the campfire, all the stuff. And then, wow, that sounds so beautiful. It actually was it, really amazing. <laughs> it, it just sounds so dreamy. I'm like looking out my window at the snow covered, you know, uh-huh. area where I'm at right now. And I'm like, wow, and the Tetons with horses, like that just yeah. sounds so cool. Yeah. And I love that you asked the lady the the person in charge like hey can I take this on mm-hmm. I mean what if you hadn't asked that and she right. hadn't offered I you know it's one of those things that you made it happen absolutely absolutely and if you look at a lot of my work now so I, I and we'll talk about this a little later but I kind of have two sides of my business I have the commercial side of my business and I have the portrait side of my business and the commercial side of my business is actually has it's very rooted in that western lifestyle so if you look at my mm-hmm. Instagram, it's all horses and cowboys and Pendleton blankets and Filson. And, you know, it's very much that because that is kind of my roots in photography and my roots as a person, right. too. So, yeah, that's cool. So yeah. here you are with all these ranches now to got the ranch. You're just like the photographer. I was just the photographer at the ranches. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And yeah. so that kind of led into me. At the same time, you know, people asking me, hey, can you do family portraits like outside of the ranch? So I would go and take some photos of, you know, families uh, in front of the Tetons, that kind of thing outside of, you know, the ranch setting. And then, of course, that led into me, people asking me to shoot their wedding, people asking me, hey, can you do my daughter's senior pictures? And so outside of the ranch, you know, my business started to grow as well. The only problem that I was running into was that that in Jackson Hole, you have a shooting season from May until September. Mm-hmm. So in addition to the ranches and all of and at that point, I was starting to do weddings, that kind of thing. I was having to cram every single shoot that I was doing. And I was doing a lot of shooting. I was shooting every single day of the week. And you cramming that all into that really small window. And so I was kind of starting to get a little bit burnt out in that. I bet. Yeah. yeah, it's just a lot. So, you know, that it was kind of interesting because so I think I shot the ranches for four seasons. And then one season, it was another one of those defining moments for me that I really, the, all three of the ranches had something happen to them in the sa- at the same year. And so I stopped shooting at all three of them in the same year. And like one of them sold, one of them had, you know, new management. One of them like hired their best friend to be the photographer. Like it was weird things like that. I was like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> and right. Wow. Yeah. So that, at that point, I really had to push my, the rest of my business and the rest of the business being seniors, families, weddings. And so I really went heavily into the wedding market, which as you can imagine in Jackson Hole, everybody comes to get married. So we have a big, big wedding market in Jackson. And that sort of transitioned me into, I think that that was around 2010. And this is the time that Pinterest is coming out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, all of my brides start seeing this beautiful wedding work. And then they start seeing things like boudoir and trash the dress sessions and things like that. So because of that, I had a lot of my bridal clients saying, hey, can you shoot this for me too? Can you shoot that? Can you do, you know, whatever it is they saw, they'd bring me a picture of it and say, oh, I love this. And, you know, that was also like that whole 
Pinterest industry, I feel like changed, kind of raised the bar for photographers because we didn't have a place where all of this beautiful imagery was happening that you were seeing it on a regular basis, you know? Yeah, that's so true. That's such a good point. Yeah. And... And so it started to push me in my photography, just being able to see all of the work. Um, at that point, so that was around 2010 when I kind of started to branch out a little bit. And then I had gone to WPPI, which is a conference, um, which is Wedding and Portrait Photographers International. And I actually saw Sue Bryce speak on stage there for the first time. And when I saw her, listened to her and kind of, took in the message that she had, that really, really opened up a whole new window of possibilities for me mm-hmm. in terms of, at that point, I was feeling really overwhelmed. I was shooting 80 weddings a, a year, I, you know, on top of my seniors. So I've always been able to make my business work in terms of getting clients in the door. I haven't always been able to make it work in terms of me not feeling stressed out and burnt out and worn out and... <laughs> pulled in a million different places and I was at that was at another that was another point for me where I was just like okay I'm gonna like probably die in my sleep tonight if I don't you know get it together a little bit here because I'm just shooting and working so much so at that point I heard Sue really started to examine my business okay what can I do then I saw her on creative live That also opened up, you know, she got really a lot more in depth in that first creative live that she did. And how do you actually run a business like this? How do you run a portrait studio? How do you run, you know, how do you get people in the door that don't have to have photos? Because in my mind, I kind of feel like people that are getting married, they have to have photos. It's the first thing you go to. Right. But with, yeah, when you have a portrait studio, you don't have to have those photos. It's a luxury. It's a luxury item. So then how do you, how do you get those people? How do you make it work? Uh, That's so true. I went through the exact same thing. I remember transitioning out of weddings and I was so panicked because Mm -hmm. I couldn't wrap my brain around charging what I needed to charge in order to make as much as I needed for weddings, because like you said, wedding photos are sort of a necessity. Right. And, but once, and I don't know if this is similar for you, but once I was able to shift that mindset and, and to really understand that portraits are super important. Portraits are extremely, I mean, it's like a, it's something that lives on forever. And, and the people who in my life who have passed away, who are so incredibly important to me, all I have now are my memories and the photos. Right. (laughs) So it's, you know, making that shift really helped. Absolutely. Me kind of understand that it was okay mm-hmm. for to sure. charge for yeah. that. Absolutely. I kind of had that defining moment. I Some really good family friends of ours that we had grown up with, um, I had they had hired me to come and do their family portrait because one of their daughters lived in, you know, overseas. And so all of their family was going to be home. And so they hired me to do their family portrait in front of the Tetons on the fence. It was beautiful. Their youngest son was a senior in high school. And so for some reason, at the end of the shoot, we just took a moment and we were like, let's take some pictures of Adam. And just because it was his senior portrait and we actually scheduled a senior portrait session at that during that shoot for him. But I took a few photos of just him by himself, which we didn't do with anybody else. And literally the next day we got a call that he'd been in a car accident and had died. And so for, yeah, I'm going to like start crying right now, (laughs) but that was, it was that defining moment that I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So what is the very first thing, of course, that they asked for, they called me and said, we need those pictures that, and of course I, you know, did everything I could to get them to them. And that was the portrait that was at their, you know, at his service. And that is the thing that meant the most to them because, and so that was really a defining. That's happened to me and. Yeah. yeah, that's happened to me with a client and other people have expressed the same thing that that's happened to them, too, where people are frantic. Like we need photos of them. They just passed away. Right. And it's just it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but the fact that we are able to provide that for people, it's it's really important. It's a service. It is. Yeah. It is. OK, so at that point, you decided, all right, portraits are are 
something I really want to start focusing on. You're burned out from shooting weddings. Mm-hmm. Then what? What happens? So then I decided that I wanted to move out of Jackson Hole. And I <laughs> I had been dating this man that is now my husband. So you know how the story ends. But I wanted to we were one of those couples that would like break up and get back together and break up and get back together it was really annoying for us and everyone around us so I was like maybe if I move out of the state we won't get back together again and so we I was like what's close enough that I can move to because I still had all my clientele in Jackson and my father had also just gotten cancer and so I knew that I wanted to be close enough to home but maybe potentially not get back together with this guy. So I decided to move to Bozeman, Montana, which it's four hours away. So it's not that. I mean, I guess if I really wanted to get away from him, I could have moved to like France or something. But, (laughs) you know, I wasn't trying that hard, apparently. (laughs) But I decided to come to Bozeman. And for me, my move here, because that's where I am right now, I, it was kind of my starting over. I didn't know anybody. I had no work. I had no house to live in. I had no nothing, but I wanted to get out. So when I moved here, I still had my studio in Jackson and I still had all of my weddings booked for the coming season. So it's not like I was moving with like no job and no money. Right. I had a job and I had the money to move and I knew that I was going to be, you know, because with weddings, they put the deposit down in the winter. So you kind of have that cushion. And so I had that and I was able to move. But I, it was really the point that I said, okay, I want to start something new here. And I was really loving Sue. I was loving what she, you know, just her message and her business structure and all of that. So mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to mm-hmm. try this Sue's way. And so the first thing I did when I got here is... And this is some little business advice for the new photographers in the house. But I found a wedding fair because I was very familiar with weddings and wedding fairs and brides and all of that. So I found the wedding fair. It was in in January and it was marketing to, you know, all of the weddings coming up for the summer season. And I did a booth just like you would do a wedding booth. And only I didn't market wedding photography. I marketed boudoir photography. I had already had several of my brides let me, you know, do boudoir for them. So I had a, I had a portfolio. I had a foundation of images that I could show. So I went and I did the bridal fair and I got a sign up, you know, at a basket. And I said, enter, you know, put your name and email and enter to win a boudoir shoot. So of course at that time, there was, because that was in 2013. So at that time, there were no other boudoir photographers here. It was kind of a thing that was just kind of coming back around. And so I was the only one really. And of course, so every bride at the bridal fair (laughs) entered to win the boudoir shoot. And so what I did is I took my basket of, you know, 200 names or however many it was, And I emailed every single one of them and I said, congratulations, you have won a boudoir shoot. It is for you and your very best friend or your maid of honor or your sister or whoever you would like to bring. And you will come in, you'll get your full hair and makeup and you'll be treated to a fun afternoon with you and your girlfriend and some beautiful boudoir photos to give to your fiance as a wedding gift. Oh, I love it. That's so So, awesome. You know, of course, every single woman responded and was super excited about bringing, having one and bringing her, you know, best friend in or maid of honor, whoever it was. So suddenly I had a huge clientele. So it worked really well. That was kind of my, my launching point. And that was really the thing that transitioned me into, you know, doing more studio portraiture than anything else. Wait, let, let me back up for just a second. So you you decided at the wedding fair that you were going to have a giveaway, uh-huh. enter for a free boudoir shoot, yes. and then you emailed everyone and said yes. that they won. Yes. I love that. That's Correct. so smart. So, but what I'm, what, what I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm wondering if uh, listeners out there too, I have a feeling I know exactly where this is going, what you ended up doing with this, but how do you, did you just give away 
the whole photo shoot, what it, what was included in, you know, you win this photo shoot? Yes. So what I did is I actually did give away a whole shoot to one person. So that was kind of my grand prize gotcha. winner. So okay. I said, so-and-so has won the grand prize and congratulations. And I just did the shoot and the hair and makeup. And um, what did I give? I think I gave her, you know, all of her digitals and like a few prints from that. But with everybody else, they got just the session. So I paid my hair and makeup artist and they, the the person that won, you know, they were responsible for purchasing the final images. Now, again, at that, at that point in time, like I said, this is 2013. So obviously my pricing is not <laughs> where it is today. And so, you know, there, it wasn't as big of an expense for people as it, you know, as it would be now. So yeah, they were responsible for the back end. They were able to purchase whatever they wanted, but they still got to come in and hang out with their friends. I did have some people that didn't purchase anything and wanted to, you know, they just wanted to come in and have their hair and makeup done and drink champagne and do right. whatever. Totally fine. And I get there it. There is that risk. I, I mean, happens. when you offer something like that, there is Absolutely. that risk. And especially when you're doing it at a wedding show, like high volume of numbers. And when you're really not charging yep. a lot, there, there is that risk. Yep. And, and I actually did something similar with a model call type thing. Like I said, I was looking for a mother-daughter mm-hmm. uh, duo to come in and uh, they would. it would be all on me. I would pay for hair and makeup and that sort of thing. And I got so many responses. I thought, what am I going to do with all – I need to somehow use this as a marketing tool. And I did the same thing where I offered the mm-hmm. session for them free, including the hair and makeup, right. the experience with their daughter. But then they had to purchase the photos. And I had – multiple people take me up on it and it worked really, really well. So it's, it it is, there's a risk, but in the end, even if one or two people don't buy, when you have so many other people who do, it just makes up for it. It does. Absolutely. And now you said that you weren't charging then what you were now. What were you charging way back then? Like before you found Sue or... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Prior to this, I had actually, at this point I had found Sue. So I was let's see that was in 2013 I think Sue's first creative live came out in 2012 so I did have a kind of foundational pricing to go off of however that's not saying I went off of it um so I dug up my price list from 2013 the one that I attached so when I sent out that email to everybody I also attached the price list so that they would know that they were getting into you know, that they would have an idea that this wasn't the cheapest thing that they were going to spend money on. And, but the pricing, so I had a 10 by 10 album and it was $650. So that was a 20 page. So roughly 15 to 20 images for $650, basically my biggest package. So 25 digital images fully edited. And that was just for the digitals was a thousand. And, you know, so we've come a long way. (laughs) Yeah, we've come. We're thousands of dollars from that point right now. Um, I really feel like obviously my work was not as good then as it is now. And I know, you know, Sue talks a lot about like finding your value and being able to charge what you're worth and all of that. And I feel like the other component of that, because I do fully agree with what she says, The other component of that is you have to, your work has to be good enough. You know, you have to Mm -hmm. know that what you're producing and the images that you're creating is worth $3,500 instead of, you know, $500. And so I do feel like as I grew as a photographer, then I was able to charge more money. Yeah, I definitely think there's something to be said about how your images have to be professional standard. I mean, you have to you have to know how to shoot manual. You have to know how to light someone properly, all of those things. But that being said, you'd be surprised. I've I've seen some I mean, even my I don't think my work is anything like mind blowing. You know, I think my client work is maybe average a little bit above average and and Mm-hmm. I think the whole point is that your professional standard that you know what you're doing. It's Absolutely. not like I think sometimes sometimes people have the comparison syndrome type thing where you just 
constantly compare yourself and mm-hmm. and feel like oh, I'm just not good enough or whatever when we're yep. all posting our very best stuff on Instagram. Oh, and, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where you don't need to be the best and the most creative with like the the insane you know, textures and golden Mm -mm. hour and blah, blah, blah. Like you don't need all of that to make a really good living. You just have to have the fundamentals down. Exactly. And you can, and and, and the value and the belief that you can do it and and you're like Mm -hmm. good to go. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, cause if I like, if I running the business I run now, with charging the prices that I charged in 13, like it it was, was not a sustainable, like I couldn't have done it. However, because I I think there's kind of two um, ways to do a business too. I was doing a lot of, I was shooting a lot of people. Like I would never shoot 200 people in, you know, a sh- time span of like six months at this right now. I just wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it, you know, but because I do more of like one to two shoots a week. Those are mm-hmm. both, you know, and my shoots are always for two people. So it's like friends come in together or they come in, you know, with their mom or whoever. So I, I mean, technically, I guess I'm shooting more like four people a week. But at that point, I was able to make it work at that price point because I was shooting a lot. And mm-hmm. with shooting a lot, I was building my skill and I was building, right. you know, learning, learning how to light, learning how to do, you know, more of that studio natural light setup versus a wedding. Right. So at what point, though, did you decide it was time to raise your pricing? You know, I I think I just raised it every year. <laughs> so every time January would come around, I was like, okay, prices are going up. And I think the more that I, the more skill I felt like I had, and the better my images were getting and the better my retouching was getting and the better service I was offering people, the more I could charge, you know? And, right, and right. the other side of that too is if, you know, if you want to give a client a product, like their tangible product that costs me $200 to buy, I can't be charging $200 for a session. Like I have to (laughs) make money off of that. Right. right. You know, so it's kind of a like, okay, let's do the math. And if you want to be able to offer that, then you have to charge more. Right. So what's your average sale now? And what do your, what do your packages look like? Yes. So my average sale now is about 2,800. Wow. And that's that's for boudoir. Yeah. It's, I do a lot of boudoir. I do a lot of headshots. Um, My average sale for headshots is not, 2800 because I, you know, it's, I structure it a little bit differently, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, but for maternity, I do a lot of maternity. I do like moms and babies. I do boudoir. I do an occasional, you know, family portrait where mom will come in with her three kids, but that's not the biggest bulk of my business for sure. So it's mostly boudoir and headshots. Boudoir, headshots, maternity, and moms and babies together. I'd say that's the majority of my in-studio work. If you look on my Instagram, that's what you'll see. Okay, cool. So, so yeah. how, overall, obviously you did the boudoir booth and that was super successful mm-hmm. for the boudoir, but how else are you marketing? Like, what else are you doing yeah. to get all these clients in? Yeah, so, you know, I feel like everybody has sort of their own, you find what works for you in the in the field of marketing. And I'll tell you what. Facebook is not a good marketing avenue for me. If I didn't have a business, I wouldn't even have a Facebook page. (laughs) So the social media, I have an Instagram. Those are not my primary, you know, means of getting people in the door for sure. I have, one of the things that has worked really, really well for me is to build relationships with my makeup artists. And I started to say this, but I don't think I quite got into it. So I have run a studio both in Jackson and in Bozeman. I'm still doing that now. Right. And so so I've got the two studios in two places. So I have my makeup artist in Jackson, and then I have a makeup artist here in Bozeman. And one of my primary ways to get clients in the door is to work with my makeup artists and to give them gift vouchers basically to give their clients. So when I did this, I partnered with, I feel like my 
my girls have been such a blessing to me and I could not do this without them. But I partnered with makeup artists that already have a really good following and they're very good at what they do. And when you find somebody like that, they probably are not working in a salon Mm -hmm. six days a week. Mm -hmm. Weddings and photo shoots and that kind of stuff is their primary thing. So it be they have a lot more availability for you than somebody that is just, you know, cutting hair at the salon every day. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and those people are very talented. But what I did is I created a package and I actually sat down with my makeup artist and said, okay, tell me your packages. And so what we did is we included a boudoir shoot and it's just for the session fee. Let me make that clear. It's not for the whole shoot. It's just the session fee, which is $300. And that is included in the package that my that the brides buy from my makeup artist. So what happens then is my makeup artist will book their trial and they'll come into the studio. So it's my studio and she, my makeup artist uses it. And she does the client, her bridal trial at the studio. And then as once she's done with the trial, then we do her boudoir shoot. Wait a minute. And Let, then, wait a minute. This is brilliant. Okay. Let me just make <laughs> sure I have this straight though. So okay. your makeup artist sells a package that includes mm-hmm. the wedding hair and makeup, the trial hair and makeup. And then part of that is, a is like shoot. an upsell or something to do a photo shoot with you. Exactly. Exactly. So she doesn't, it's not included in all of her packages, but it's included in, you know, her top two packages. And, you know, my clients, the makeup artists that I've chosen to work with, they're also sort of at the higher end in terms of pricing. So I know that the women, the brides that hire my makeup artists to do their hair and makeup, you know, they can afford to spend $3,000 on a boudoir shoot because that's, you know, that's just the clientele. Well, and I imagine that the makeup artists are going to speak extremely highly of you. Absolutely. Because, yeah, I mean, obviously they work with you. They must love you and enjoy working with you. So, right. I mean, (laughs) that's like the best kind of marketing right there when someone is going to talk up what you do. So Mm -hmm. smart. For sure. For sure. So I did that, you know, with my makeup artist here and my one down in Jackson. So that is a huge portion of my business in terms of getting people in the door. Because people, sometimes boudoir can be a little bit, I don't want to say like scary, but people are like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. You know, they're nervous about it. It's not something that necessarily people are super excited to come in and get photos of themselves with not a lot of clothing on. Like it's not at the top of everybody's priority lists for the Mm -hmm, most part, mm -hmm. you know? And so, but when you get something for free and it's not for free, but when the experience is for free and they don't actually have to purchase anything that they don't like, then people are much more willing to do it because there's not a lot of risk involved. So the reason that I do the gift voucher rather than just, you know, saying, oh, it's still going to cost you $150 is because I feel like it does get people in the door. You know, does that make yeah. sense? Absolutely. Yeah. That's just so smart. So in terms of the the headshots and portraits and that sort of thing, how mm-hmm. are you marketing that? Mm-hmm. Honestly, <laughs> I have a lot of brides that, you know, women that I have shot doing boudoir that will come to me for mm-hmm. headshots or, I mean, when you live in a place and have a business in a place, because I've been in Bozeman since 2013. So, you know, your, your reputation, you start to meet people, you network and word of mouth is a lot of it for me, Nikki. Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, the girl, I always have people that are like, oh, my, you know, my sister came in and had a boudoir shoot done by you. I know that you do, you know, headshots too. Can I come in and have you do my headshots? Absolutely. When can we book you? I love that. There's something to be said for a a client who crosses boundaries with the different genres of photos, because when you provide Mm -hmm. that great service for someone and they actually, a lot of people ask this question, like, do I separate on Instagram, for example, do I separate Mm -hmm. everything? Mm -hmm. And part of me is like, I don't, I I personally don't think so (laughs) because those boudoir 
clients might see, oh my gosh, she also does headshots and I need headshots for work or I do need a family photo. And I know boudoir is a little bit tricky because sometimes people are like, well, I don't want little kids next to half naked women. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I I feel like there's a way that you can do it tastefully in order to cross promote that way. And you're a good example of you can have clients booking you for different types of sessions where you've, you've got kind of like a client for life, you know, as they need, you know, and once she gets pregnant after she's married, then she comes to you and, or maybe she doesn't get married. I don't mean to be presumptuous that everyone has to be married to have kids, but, um, you know, maybe she comes back to you once if Mm -hmm. for maternity photos. I mean, there's just so many facets of this. Yeah. I just did a shoot last week that I had shot her boudoir that she had given, you know, as a gift to her husband. And then she came back and we shot her maternity. It's kind of a joke. Like (laughs) people come to me before they're, (laughs) before they're married and they're all sexy and young. And then (laughs) the boudoir shoot got them pregnant, you know, (laughs) they're there. Yeah. So it's definitely, you know, you got, you got them for a few years in there for sure. Oh, I love it. That's so awesome. Yeah. The Instagram thing is kind of, it's not tricky if you do it tastefully. I did separate my commercial work from my client work for that reason. Like I didn't necessarily want people coming, you know, that were looking to have me shoot, you know, their leather jacket line right. to look at people's boudoir shoots like it wasn't appropriate. But I did end up keeping mine together. And I'm just careful about what I share on Instagram. It's nothing. It's, yeah, I have. That's a whole nother conversation, but I have a hard time with the connotation behind boudoir at this point. So I'm curious about that. Tell me a little bit more about what do you mean when you say the the connotation of boudoir? You know, I think I feel like in in lighter terms, it's kind of like the idea when you tell people glamour photography, people have this very distinct idea of what glamour photography is, and that is the idea. It's <laughs> you so know, true. the idea mm-hmm. of boas and like everything's glowing from the 80s and that's fine, but that's actually not what it is today. And I think when you say the word boudoir, if you do, if you search hashtag boudoir on say Instagram, you're going to actually come up with some really kind of nasty stuff. And this is the crossover problem that we're having, I think, and just a search I've been doing because when I use the term boudoir for my business, I do not shoot anything like that. And, you know, I definitely draw the line and I kind of always joke with my clients, like you actually wear less to the beach than you're going to wear in your photo shoot. So there's not a lot to be worried about. I mean, I think there's a time and place for, you know, fully nude or in some people that's that's the right. genre that they shoot is like right boudoir and some real steamy kind of mm-hmm. stuff but yeah. I know what you mean in terms of boudoir doesn't have to be like you know pearls and fishnets and like right. so much exposed skin it can be more of a softer approach where mm-hmm. it's less is more or not less is more actually more is less <laughs> but more right. of a subtle sexiness Absolutely. as opposed mm-hmm. to like in your face is that where you're the kind of boudoir that you focus Absolutely. on yeah it's I try to keep it classy I try to keep it tasteful I try to keep it in a way that you're gonna my client is gonna feel beautiful they're gonna feel sexy but it's not if somebody were to see it that you know, if your child were to find it or if your, you know, your pictures were to get on the mm-hmm. internet, like it would not be the end of the world. It, it you know, you wouldn't have, it wouldn't right, be a right. really negative thing that you were associated with. And I have, a, I have a two-year-old little boy, you know? And so I, those are just things that I need to be sensitive of what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. And because I want to be respectful of people's spouses and people's children and right who who they are and what are they going to be proud to share so so do you think like where's the crossover between boudoir and portraits Mm -hmm. and you know it's basically uh, you know is it just that you're marketing to these people differently um you know Mm -hmm. what is it? It, it like how is it any different than a regular portrait shoot I guess well I think that it can be the amount of clothing people are wearing, but that's not actually it. That's <laughs> you know? exactly what I was thinking. It's it's sometimes, sometimes it, is. it is. It's just a little bit of 
Yeah, like a lot of times my portrait clients or even my personal branding clients, because I tell them you can wear four, sometimes mm-hmm. five outfits, depending on how much time we have. And sometimes I'll encourage sometimes, you know, if you want to do a personal photo shoot or bring a fun dress or even, you know, we can do something a little sexier. Like, that's great. We can do it yep. all in one shoot. So it's like there I feel like sometimes it can be mm-hmm. one in the same it can be done Definitely. in the same shoot I mean there's just so much that Definitely. you can do with it there I do a lot of shoots actually where you know because my shoots consist of like four to five outfits so half of it will do I'll tell her to bring you know a business outfit so that we get her headshot done and then she'll bring something that maybe she feels cute in like just some jeans and a little like whatever it is that she likes that's her and then we'll also do the white sheet and then we can do something that's a little bit you know more revealing like if she just wants to do right what do you mean by the white sheet just for people (laughs) listening who might be like the white white sheet sheet is if you go to my Instagram you'll see that all over the it's just a woman in a bed in a white sheet and the great thing about that is those images are so beautiful and super classy but still sexy because you can cover as much as you want but it's the idea behind it so I feel like a lot of beauty and boudoir is is where is your mind going with the image not necessarily what are you actually seeing you know so right yeah yeah that's so true I love that and do you find that you're using the same sort of business structure or pricing structure that you learn from like the Sue Bryce mm-hmm. education stuff to boudoir or is it something No, no, it's all the separate? same. So my images are all the same, whether it's other than headshots, but if you're doing maternity, if you're doing mom and baby, if you're doing boudoir, if you're doing mother daughter, like my pricing is the same across the board. The only one that's not is for headshots. So yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That's exactly oh, yeah. how mine is too. For me, it's the digital mm-hmm. part that's different. So for headshots, right. it's strictly digital. The personal branding is strictly digital. And then I try to upsell them into doing the, like I of said, course. the personal or the fun dress mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And then I might upsell prints in that way. But I'm the same. Like it's the, whether it's maternity, mother and daughter, family, senior, all my pricing structure, it's all the mm-hmm. same. It's across the board except for the personal right. branding so that's interesting I'm glad that, to yeah, know that you're doing the same absolutely it just makes it easier and simplifies everything because I didn't always do that <laughs> I had like the price for babies and I had the price for moms and I had the price and yeah. then I was they, people were like how much right. is that I'm like I have no idea hang on I gotta pull up my price list <laughs> you know so yeah it, yeah and and I think that people get stuck on that I, I and it's and I could be wrong about this but it oh, almost yeah. feels like when people, the younger the person gets, the less they feel like they should be charging. Like people are like, well, can I do this for newborn? Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, let's just talk about how with newborn, you're working a million times harder. You're getting peed on. You have to have <laughs> like a noise machine and the, the uh-huh. temperature has to be a certain amount. There's oh, yeah. so much editing when you need to edit like the newborn skin. If that, you know, there's so oh, much yeah. that is involved. It's such a long thing. You're dealing with a mom who just had a baby and you're trying to make her feel good like mm-hmm. oh my her gosh you should good. be even charging more you know like right. so we, we actually right. have and I'll, I was yeah. gonna say we actually have several people um probably hundreds actually who are in our Facebook group the Sue Bryce education members only Facebook group who are newborn photographers who've used this business model mm-hmm. and it's just so cool to see them setting the bar at industry standard for newborn photographers, because whether you're shooting family and some people have asked me, I'm sorry, I'm totally going off on a tangent here, but some people have said like, oh, well, if I shoot outside, should I be charging as much as in studio? And my answer is always the same. Yes, I I have to work harder when I'm outside. When I'm in my studio, yes, I'm paying studio rent. So there is that factor, but everything is so consistent. And so I know... Mm -hmm. I'm like in charge of everything that happens in my studio. When you're outside, you're dealing with other people, other cars. You're dealing with weather, wind. Oh my gosh, wind. Absolutely. You know, it's the lighting changes from, it's so, I just find that there are so many components that you're not in control of when you're outside that heck Mm -hmm. yes, it should be the same amount or more. Right. So I love to hear that you're, you're making it consistent across the board. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing is, especially once you've had a child, you know the value of those portraits, you know? Mm-hmm. And to me, like any boudoir shoot or anything like that that I've done, the the pictures of me and my son together when he was just a few weeks old, like those are hands down the most valuable ones to me. 
you know? So right. that, those Absolutely. are the ones that I would pay the most for out of all of them. Because, oh, it's you know, so true. You it's so true. Back. I have two little kids. I don't know if you know that about me. My my oldest son is three mm-hmm. and a half and my youngest is almost two. And mm-hmm. man, any photos that I can, I love when other photographers take photos of my kids because it's so much harder for me to do it than it is for other photographers. Oh, yeah, of course. It's the best. And they are. <laughs> Those course. photos are so priceless. And they deserve to be paid for that because it's hard. It's hard to photograph Absolutely. kids. And I personally think boudoir is really hard. I've always thought it was hard. Yeah. It is, it is and it isn't. I think once you learn, and I always kind of thought this because Sue teaches, like I learned my posing from Sue and basically it's all exactly the same, just in less clothing. You know, if you can keep those same, um, you know, like the hourglass, the hands, all, you know, all of the different components, if you can just remember that, then it makes it easier. But like I said, I did have 200 women that first year to practice on. Right, right. It got easier as I went along. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, with the boudoir, I wonder if it's like the expression is a little bit different too. Like you're going for a little bit more sultry, sexy Mm -hmm. than... But you're right. It is the same with the mm-hmm. posing. And now that I think about it, I'm like, why am exactly I not offering more boudoir sessions? Because it is. It is. Why am I not shooting yeah. boudoir? Mm-hmm. It is. It is the same. And yep. and there's so many great ways to market it. Like you just you gave us some really incredibly useful tips there with having the mm-hmm. wedding booth and giving it one big prize away, but then offering the gift voucher, having the hair and makeup artist. I just think I'm just blown away by that. And then, yeah, it's just yeah. so great. I love, love, love what you're doing with this. Thanks. I also market through just another couple of tips. I also market through um, several aesthetics places. So like a uh, plastic surgery place, they give my gift certificates, gift vouchers away. So I still do, even though I'm charging what I'm charging, I still build a lot of my business on gift vouchers because giving $300 away in light of making 4000 is nothing. You know, it doesn't, who it's cares about so the true. It's so true. You know. And I've talked about this on other episodes, so I don't really want to beat a dead horse, but it's, oh, I hate that expression. Mm-hmm. What a terrible expression. Anyway. <laughs> I do too, actually. <laughs> anyway, not, you know, always, but it's really, it's one of those things where it is so worth taking that risk. And people say, well, like, mm-hmm. what if they don't buy? But it's like, oh, but what if they do? It's, it's shifting that mentality right. into a positive state and just expecting that you're going to create these beautiful photos and they're going to love them. So, you know, it's just, right. Absolutely. Like, why not take that risk? If you hadn't taken Absolutely. that risk of, of this giving the gift vouchers and covering hair and makeup on your own, would you be as successful as you are today? Oh God, no, no, absolutely yeah. not. And I think even, you know, looking back over my career, I think when I was a young woman, young meaning, you know, when I started to think about maybe what did I want to do with my life? So high school, early college, I had no idea. I had no idea that I would be in a position now where I own a business that makes Mm $200,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Like that was so far beyond anything that I had ever imagined for myself. I always thought that I would just, you know, get married and I wanted to have six kids. And of course, now I only have one kid. <laughs> you know, things things change. Oh, and things don't always work out the way that you I want. I was waiting tables. I mean, I was bartending at that point. I was in college. I don't know. And I remember saying to my coworker, by the time I'm 24, I want to be married with my first kid. And I'm, I like look right? back at myself and I'm like, right? what? I mean, I didn't have mine at first until I was 39 by choice. And it's just funny yeah. how as we grow and, and things change. And I just think it's so cool that you have come so far and you really, you dabbled in a lot of different things, but you honed your craft. Mm-hmm. You got the education that you needed to run a business that you didn't get in photography school. And that's something that I think people don't. I think I think sometimes people think that they have to have this degree in order to be oh, a God, professional no. photography, and you don't. I mean, I learned what I learned Mm-mm. from Sue Bryce education. I mean, truly, mm-hmm. like it. Yeah, I, I don't have a degree. And before I had Sue to learn from, it was YouTube and and googling mm-hmm. what what you know how to how does my ISO combine with my f stop and and all that. But we didn't, you know, right. and, and, and you coming out of the gate saying you had a photography degree, but you still needed to learn how to run a business. And you did it. You found what you needed to do. Mm-hmm. You found what worked for you when you started getting burned out with weddings and 
you know, that whole thing, you made the change you, and, and you increased your prices and you're super smart about marketing. You just really have the full package. I'm super proud of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Sometimes I have to remind myself that like, okay, I've actually accomplished quite a bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that ever goes away where you're like, can I do this? Am I going to have a business when I wake up tomorrow morning? <laughs> I know. I think sometimes even when we, we have been doing well for a while, it still is something that crosses my mind. Like, okay, do I need to ramp back Absolutely. up on this marketing or this and that? Or like, oh, I didn't get as many bookings mm -hmm. as I wanted this month. Where am I going wrong? What do I need to do? I mean, it's something that always I think will be mm -hmm. in our mind at the forefront. Wait, so, Arnica, yeah. where are you going next? Yeah. Where do you see yourself in the next five years, let's say? Mm, yeah, that's a good Good question. I have all kinds of things that I've kind of got going in the mix right now. I just moved into my, so after I had my son, you know, he was two and I had my studio in my house. Once he turned two, I said, okay, I need to get a studio outside of the house. So I built my studio and moved in here in May. And once I got into this space, it's really opened up a lot of doors for me in terms of, okay, now I have a space that I can invite people into. I'm going to start doing a lot of um, workshops. I've got some books, you know, some dates on the books for doing different um, creative markets kinds of things. And like I said, workshops and doing some more just educational stuff in the boudoir realm of things. And so that's kind of where I'm moving for myself. I also have a... I have a, a project, an idea, it's sort of a nonprofit that I want to start to do. And this is, it might be a little bit of a controversial subject, so we can, you know, talk about it later if we need to, but I want to do um, portraits for women, probably not women, but girls that um, get pregnant prior to being married or don't have a support system or teenage girls that decide to keep their babies, because I feel like there's a lot of shame around that and a lot of guilt mm -hmm. around that and you know oftentimes it's it's girls that they don't have any money they can't afford $3,500 right. to you know to have the portrait done of them like with their newborn or have you know a maternity shoot done but that time just because of their situation doesn't mean that time is any less special to them or doesn't make it any, you know, it doesn't make their child or their experience that they're going through any less meaningful than a woman that is, you know, in a stable situation and has the finances to be able to go and document that. Absolutely. So oh, I that's love that kind you're of, doing that. Yeah. I love that project. And I just think that will Thanks. be so powerful. And I, Thanks, yeah, I yeah. think that's fantastic that you're doing that. You'll have to let yeah. me know more once, once you get that up and running, because I would love to, to see it. I will. I will. Yeah, I will. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, okay, I want to move on to the next segment of the show, and I'm going to ask you four questions. And I ask the same four questions to okay. all of our guests. The first one is, what okay. is something you can't live without when you're shooting? Once I got to the point in my photography that I realized I actually don't need all the things to be a good photographer, my skill level, like, skyrocketed. Once I realized I could take a piece of duct tape and, you know, take a little, a white sheet of paper and tape it to a wall and that works as a reflector, <laughs> it, it was like mind blowing. I was like, oh my God, first of all, I just saved myself about $8,000. Second right. of all, you, you're starting to see what shapes light and what happens when you move something around or you move your subject around. Like, I can just buy a little piece of foam core instead of having to spend, you know, a thousand dollars on a brand new C stand and get like the best reflector of all time. In my new studio, I just built an eight foot scrim to fit in the thing. I didn't go and buy, spend $1,500 on a scrim. I built it myself because I realized I can and it's not going to be any different. It's yeah. so true. I think people yeah. really get stuck on that they need everything, the dresses and the fancy lights and and absolutely just so and you just don't I'm so, I have so minimal such minimal things in my studio but I still make a ton of money and and my cost mm -hmm. of goods and everything is so much lower it's more money in my pocket when I don't go crazy on all of the things so I'm absolutely. so glad you brought that up absolutely yeah it's huge okay number yeah. two how do you spend mm -hmm. your time when you aren't photographing oh do people have time when they're <laughs> photographing I don't know <laughs> um 
Yeah, that's I've obviously just with my family and, you know, I live in the West. So being outdoors and we live right at the entrance to Yellowstone. I grew up at the south entrance to Yellowstone and now I live at the north entrance wow, to Yellowstone. Wow, so beautiful so over there. We spend oh, a lot of so time cool. there. I know. It's awesome. And we have, um, where we live, we have 60 chickens. 60. And we have horses. Oh. We do. We have 60 chickens. <laughs> and we have a bunch of horses and we have goats and we've got dogs. And, you know, so we've got like the funny farm going oh, on. Oh, that's so and cool. So that's a lot so of fun. So cool. I yeah, love that. Yeah. I love that. We went yeah. to Yellowstone when, when my husband <laughs> and I were driving, moving from Michigan to Seattle. And I completely underestimated uh-huh. Yellowstone. I, my expectations were just kind of like, oh, oh, oh it's a forest. And it is so just jaw-droppingly beautiful. It's much more than a oh, forest. It's such a special place. I know, yeah. isn't it? Anyway, yeah. okay. So yeah. number three, what is your favorite inspirational quote? Oh, that's a really hard one for me because to be honest with you, I have a terrible memory. So like, I can't remember See? any of them. I'll read something and I'll be like, <laughs> I'll be like, that was so good and inspirational. And then I'll forget what it said in like 45 Ooh, minutes. Funny. So, you know, it's a tough one. I think for me, just in general, how I try to live my life is you fail and you're going to fail again. Just fail better next mm-hmm. time. You know, I love it. I love it. It's true because we're always so, going to yeah. hit bumps in the road. It is. It's so true. We're always going to fail. We're always going to mess up. We're always going to recover. And we're always going to recover. It's like, okay, well, you know, we're always going to recover. We are. All right. Number yeah. four, what yeah. would you say to people who are just getting started? Mm-hmm. So when I started my business, and like I said earlier, you know, I had to learn how to build a business. I had to learn how to own a business. And there's still days that I feel like I don't. But I think the big thing that I would tell people is when you're, especially if you're just starting out, I'm the kind of person that is, if I don't know how to do it, I'll figure out how to do it. So when I was going back through, like I looked at, I was like, when did I get my first website? And (laughs) I know that sounds funny, but I got my first website, I think in 2006 and I built it myself. Now, okay. In 2006, there was not anything like Wix or WordPress. Like these things didn't exist. So I taught myself code and I built myself a website using a program called Dreamweaver. I don't know if Dreamweaver even exists anymore. So like that was when I think back on it, I'm like, yeah, I can build myself a website. Awesome. But it was such a waste of my time. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't it was not a useful, like, yeah, it just wasn't a good use of my time. And I do that with, I'm trying to get better, but I did that with a lot of things like doing my own books, doing my own graphic design, you know, figuring out how to do this, figuring out how to do that. Like I surprised I don't have like a printing press in my home so I could print my own brochures or something. (laughs) That's the kind of person I am. So my biggest advice for people is like, just let the people that specialize in what they do do it. Amen, sister. And you specialize, (laughs) you know, you specialize in your craft. If you have time, get out there and get your camera in your hands and figure out lighting, you know, figure out retouching, do the things that you need to do that are going to make your business work. I love work. that. It's and because well said. it's not bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well said. It's not, it's not building. Yeah. So that's my big advice is just let the people that can do it, do it. And you focus on what you need Perfect. to do. I love it. Even if it costs you an extra hundred bucks or whatever. <laughs> I love it. You know. Arnica, where can people find you if they're going to look for you on social media or your website? I'm actually excited because I finally just finished my website, my new website, and it's just arnicaspring.com. People ask me about my name. It's Spring is actually my middle name. So arnicaspring.com is my website. And then you can also find me on Instagram. And I have got two Instagram accounts. One is arnicaspringportrait. So that's all my boudoir, you know, glamour, maternity, all that stuff, headshots. And then the other one you'll find is Arnica Spring Lifestyle. And that's more of my Western outdoor commercial work. So you'll be able to find the two. As far as Facebook goes, yeah, don't look for me on Facebook because you won't find (laughs) much there. (laughs) Yeah. 
All right, cool. Well, thank you. And I encourage everyone to check out your work because it's really, really, really beautiful. So Awesome. Thank you. Well, I have enjoyed talking with you so much, and you've given us some really good marketing information that I think people are really going to love. And I just really appreciate you being so open and candid with everything. And I'm excited to see see everything that is in store for you in the future. And yeah, so thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Sweet. All right, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35, and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love, and there are posing downloads, lighting downloads, I mean truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and eight frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX 100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.